Hello, sports fans. Erica L. Ayala here, your founder of Black Rosie Media. And we are continuing our conversation about Title IX at 50 through the eyes of Black girls and women in sports. And I knew early on, after we talked about Patsy Takemoto Mink, we were going to talk about Wyoming Tyus. And that meant that we were going to have the founder of the Black Sportswoman, Bria Felician, join us. Bria, how are you? I am great. I'm excited to be here and talk about this topic. And I'm so honestly just really, really glad and grateful that Black Women Media exists and is doing all of this. So, yes, here for this. Here for all of this. Here for all of this. You know that I love the Black Sportswoman. I love the thought and care and obviously research that you bring to sports media. And so as we, and people have already started, which I do love, like people didn't even wait till June to have conversations around Title IX. We saw that Amira Rose Davis had a hit on ESPN um, about Title IX. And a lot of the conversation of Title IX at 50 is, what have we yet to achieve? But before we lay all of that out throughout the month of June, Bria, we have to start with the beginning. And a lot of people, when they talk about Title IX, if they're not talking about Patsy Mink, which they absolutely should, um, they'll often talk about Billie Jean King. And the Women's Sports Foundation, even to this day, does amazing research when it comes to Title IX and women, girls and women in sports. But that's why we want to talk about Wyoming Tyus, because she was there from the beginning. So before we get into her relationship and her connection to Billie Jean King and the Women's Sports Foundation, Bria, why don't you tell us who is Wyoming Tyus? Is, I'd say, a legend in different levels. So, of course, she's a Georgia native and legendary on the Georgia scale, Um Grew up in Griffin, Georgia, which is about like, I'd say like an hour from Atlanta and ended up competing at the, um, the Tuskegee, uh, Tuskegee relays. So the Tuskegee, uh, that's like such a legendary event on itself. Like we could have a whole like episode about that, but so the Tuskegee event, she, gets noticed there, which like, as I mean, Wilma Rudolph also got noticed there. That's just where a lot of black women athletes, like track athletes, like blew up and got noticed and was able to go and compete. And so Wyoming Titus goes and gets noticed by Ed Temple and gets, goes to this, uh, I would say, uh, how would you just describe like a summer camp mix, kind of like a tryout almost to be a Tiger Bell, one of the legendary Tiger Bells. And I think what, that is such a world-renowned, well-known program at Tennessee State in Nashville, Tennessee. And so she goes there, competes. It's during the, when she first arrives at Tennessee State, it's Wilma Rudolph's time. Tennessee State owned the Olympics, track and field Olympics in the 60s. Like that was like their, 50s and 60s. That was their their time. It was like, uh, Ed Temple was the coach. But also all the gold medals and all the shine that went to those athletes. They got to travel the world. It was like it was their time. It's kind of like um, I'm trying to think of a good comparison, but honestly, sadly, the only thing I can think of is like UConn winning all those like in the 
2000s, 2010s, winning all those titles. It's the it's the equivalent, but on an even bigger stage. And I actually, you know what? I'm gonna we're gonna put a pin in that and talk about the significance of them doing that on a bigger stage before Title Nine because that's um like a major a major deal. But what Wyoming Tyus should be known for, she's not necessarily known for it, but she was the first person. Um, to win back-to-back gold medals in the 100-meter dash, so in 64-68. But she also, she's not as well-known as she should be for that. I feel like when her book came out in 2018, um, people started realizing, like, oh, I had no idea this happened, despite that being a fact. So also at those 68 Olympics, which are remembered as, like, you know, Tommy Smith, John Carlos, them protesting, um, and she mentions this in the book, she... She, along with other people, also had their own form of protest. And it it was definitely overlooked. And if you think about, like, the papers of record and, like, the way that all of that is remembered, even you talk about the way that she was treated, interacted with after she made history at those 68 games, um, you, you would, if she didn't write this book, we may not know hardly anything about her we wouldn't know that she should be interviewed and um, we wouldn't know her connections to women's sports and not only the history but moving everything forward so that's my long roundabout way of like introducing Wyoming Tyus but such a legend in so many ways and I think one of the things that kind of I can't I, sometimes I can't wrap my head around the fact that these black schools were doing so much being successful dominating an entire industry an entire field an entire sport before title nine so this was like i was like what what i would love to do and we might have to just have you back for black rosie media because now that you speak about it i think what's also interesting and that we absolutely have to mention is that this is the height politically and socially mm-hmm. also of the civil rights movement which then eventually led to legislation um like the civil rights act um and you know voting rights etc and similarly to if you ask black teachers that were teaching black students at that time, what they will say is that segregation was one of the worst things that happened to black communities regarding education. Because literally night and day, they went from being in a community school, what we would probably consider a community school being taught by their cousins and them. Um, but I mean, I'm joking somewhat, but it <laughs> may be real, but someone from your neighborhood who probably knows your family, who you probably have been to, you know, a cookout in their yard. And then the very, almost like the next day, right. As integration starts coming, you are then in a classroom, arguably where at least one, if not all, Um, But at least one person, including very likely the teacher responsible for your education, vehemently disagrees that you should even be there. When you put that on top of now Title IX, you have Black girls and women athletes who are competing at the Olympics who are competing in these amazing, fantastic college programs, to your point, at historically Black colleges and universities that are now being integrated. We 
then have this integration or we have Title IX and now the focus explicitly or not is on the white girls or the white children if we're talking about education. And over time, we've seen that have an impact on black girls and women in sports. And they were making, it was not perfect. I'm thinking about, specifically thinking about Tuskegee and Tennessee State because they're very connected, but they were making it work through the model of like work study. I'm going to bring you in. So you don't necessarily have an athletic scholarship, but I'm helping you figure out how to pay for this and also compete and train. And then also on the flip side, they didn't necessarily have um, like money for, so Tuskegee football, like they would get on the train, but then for the women athletes, like they would drive and like they would sleep. I mean, a lot of them ended up sleeping in like, you know, trying to find a safe place to sleep or eat. Um, but they, they, they made it work. And like when, like you're talking about the integration and like the changes of focus and, oh, maybe I can go pro if I go to this school. And whenever the, everything starts getting scattered and like the people are going different places and the talent and the focus and the money is going elsewhere, it's harder to make it work when you have even less than you had before. Right. So Right. Yeah, I mean, that's the story of the Negro Leagues, too, in baseball, isn't it? Or the barnstorming basketball leagues. Um, and before the NCAA took over women's basketball also. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, again, there's all these pockets. But again, we're going to we're gonna keep talking. You know, <laughs> Black Rosie Media and the Black Sportswoman, we're just going to be navigating side by side as we focus on more black women and melanated creators and also on the storytelling of black women and melanated people in sports. But I mentioned Billie Jean King and I mentioned the Women's Sports Foundation. So let's go back to Wyoming and what was her role in that as we talk about Title IX at 50 this June? So they were, so she was like, she was right there. And I think this is, it's almost, it's more the the memory that has changed than her role in moving women's sports forward. So it's similar to, and I think we should call that out too specifically. Whenever she won the, that second gold medal, I, it's something that still sticks with me and I have to go back to that moment where she there was no fanfare like there is now when she won that gold medal like now there's i think about delilah muhammad i think about like uh so all those black women that win the 400 allison felix like all of them that you you see them with the american flag and you see them like just being almost it's it's temporary but that still happens during the olympic games but there, it was only one person came and talked to her after. And this is what she wrote in her book. At the time, they were not about to bathe a Black woman in glory. It would give us too much power, wouldn't it? Because it would have been a moment. 
if you think about it, she won back-to-back gold medals. Nobody in the world has ever done that. Let's paint the U.S. all over her. Let's drape her in a flag. You would think, but no, I would never see them hanging a flag on me because one thing the Olympics is not about is giving power to the powerless. And I think that's a theme in her career. We're talking about the winning that she did, that, that record that record winning race but then also the protesting she did but also her role in helping build this found foundation <laughs> but I meant like foundation in the sense of like a foundation for other women to be able to continue athletic careers but also of the women's sports foundation actually itself so I think that's like it's all so related and connected and that's why us having this conversation and telling the stories of black women and their role in women's sports and just the impact is so, it's so significant. And that's why we need to remember athletes like this, acknowledge them and make sure that these memories like don't, don't fade. But those similarities is that honestly that, uh, that through line of this continuing to forget, refuse to remember, you know, it depends on how, um, it's being approached, but that through line is so significant. And I think what you said is so important. There's also an article in the guardian where Tyus is quoted and she says, the changes are happening, but they may not be happening fast enough. Uh, she says, my dad used to say, you always have to stay in the fight. I have tried to maintain that. And I think that all the women from Gwen Berry on, they are standing for things that will make this a better world in which to live for everybody, not just for one group of people. Obviously, Wyoming talking about, as you mentioned, um, in history and even still today being overshadowed by the, you know, the one symbol that we see to represent those Mexico City Olympics. Mm -hmm. And that becomes the, um, the watching the time traveler's wife, there's a new series, but what they talk about is the, the gravitational pull, right? That certain moments have. And so anytime that you talk about athlete activism, um, you're always going to talk about 1968. You're never unless you're the black sportswoman or black Rosie media going to talk about Wyoming Tyus. We're always going to talk about Billie Jean King when we're talking about equity, gender equity in sports, but we never talk about Wyoming Tyus. Not until today. Cause that's why we're here, Bria. That's why we're here. And I'm so excited to continue to have these conversations, but even more excited that I can send folks from Black Rosie Media to work that you've already done. I know Amira Rose Davis had a fantastic panel, I guess maybe a year or two ago now. Um, but yeah, that was such a good panel. So there, there's so much work that's being done. Um, I got this concept of focusing on Black girls and women on some research that had been done again in the early 2000s talking about where we stand when it comes to how Title IX has played out for Black women and the fact that we're oversaturated when it comes to athletic scholarships in track and field and in basketball. Um, and that's why I love the work that Ari Chambers did when she connected with Athletes Unlimited in their first run of softball, talking to Black 
softball players or what Natasha Watley has been able to do, what we see Candace Cooper doing in swimming, and it goes on and on and on. And these are women, like Wyoming said in that article for The Guardian, who do it Gwen Derry. They do it because they know there's a better future. Um, whether they are able to fully enjoy that in their prime as athletes or not, to be seen, history would tell us that it's probably not. Um, but we are here to accelerate the process and the learning curve for all of us until we truly reach that equity. The last thing that I wanted to do is, um, and I'll drop this link, but there's an amazing streaming service, a black streaming service founded by a black woman called Quelly TV. And there's a fantastic, um, it's a documentary Hold on. Olympic Pride, American Prejudice. Oh, yes. I So I had that book, but I didn't read. Uh, I didn't know they had a documentary. Olympic Pride, American Prejudice. Oh, that I'm book. I, sure. actually, they go in on Babe Dietrich. And I, I love that. Yes. I love yes. That <laughs> so there's a documentary. Okay. Hold on. Dang it. All right. This Olympic. You don't have me on Quelly TV because this all this stuff looks really cool. Oh, Quelly is dope. Um, and another thing that I want to uplift, I know we were talking about the 1968 Olympics, but there's an amazing, um, well, you actually told me that it was a book, but I saw a documentary on Quelly TV, black owned, black woman owned and founded streaming service that talks about black women in the same Olympics, uh, where Jesse Owens ran and similar story to Wyoming. The focus was on Jesse Owens versus, you know, a Nazi Germany and Hitler. And that story even has not been fully told, or at least not until recently have I learned about more of that story. But then to find out how Black women were impacted at that same Olympics and the history that they made or that they, were, um, on a, that they weren't allowed to make uh, for a lot of reasons, which unfortunately also collided with quite honestly, their safety, um, was a very difficult pill to swallow, but highly recommend it. Olympic pride, American prejudice. There's a book, uh, democracy now has done a, a clip on it and, uh, used to be on Quelly TV. I'm not sure if it's still up there, but check out Quelly TV nonetheless, but Bria, what I got from this is that Wyoming Tyus still out here impacting activism in sports, whether people know it or not. And I love that for her. I love that for us. And I also love that anyone who's interested in more of these stories can look at some of the fantastic, well-thought-out work that you have done. As I mentioned, Amira Rose Davis has done. And hopefully at Black Rosie Media, we can have you back to have more conversations, not just about Wyoming, uh, and the Tiger Bells and all of that history, but continue to find the pockets of history as it's unfolding. Um, mm-hmm. Because we know always there are black women right there at the front line. Oh, yes. Thank you for having me. I mean, honestly, couldn't even say close it out better than you. But, you know, I will say I like I there's so many repeated moments in history that I think that's just one takeaway or thought that I would want people to to leave this um, 
this chat with. I'm thinking about, uh, you know, we talked about um, Olympic Pride, American Prejudice, and there, you know, Babe Diedrichson, she's considered almost like a white woman's sports icon. And in that documentary and in that book, they talk about the racism and the racist acts that she committed, like, against her teammates and who's remembered from those Olympics and who is not. And then the same with Wyoming ties and the same things that happen now. But I think as long as we're more aware, I think that's a, that's a great start to realizing, okay, what is going on? What is happening? What is the reality that we're living in? Yes. I think that's so important. Or even we can bring it to the 1980s and I'm sure even beyond where Angela James to this day won't talk about it, but she got, uh, thrown out of a of a tournament of an international tournament because right before the puck drop her teammates said something that was racially was racist and she got them hands <laughs> you know and um unfortunately for the hockey fans out there we know that we're dealing with that with Nazem Kadri and him being in the playoffs actively receiving he and his family receiving death threats what a world what a world what a world but brio we're just gonna have to have you back these are difficult but extremely important conversations and i'm always so grateful that you're up to the task and i'm so glad and i'll say it again that black rosy media exists and thank you for having me